Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. We want to welcome you to another episode of the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks. You can always hear us on all podcast platforms as well as Buzz 2, 106.7 in Central Arkansas. And we're coming to you live from the Hyman Services Studios. I'm your host, Porter Hayes. Alongside me always is Jacob Davis, and we're brought to you by Bet Online. And we are finally here. The top teams in college basketball have been determined, and the final four is set. And if you're looking to wager on these games or the national championship, head on over to betonline.ag your desktop or your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code believe to get started and bet online remains your number one spot for all your updated odds and info along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's your best source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and everyone's favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. Join today. Learn why everyone is staying. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. Bet online where the game starts. And Jacob, we, we got we got some some players leaving, going to the pro, trying out and and, and signing agents. They just come out with a, a new a new rule, I should say, that it now they've changed it to where you can even sign an agent and then come back. And and that's in regards to J.D. Note decided that he would forego his last year and go to the NBA draft. And I think that we can both agree that th- this was the best decision for him considering what he did this year and considering what's coming in next year. Yeah, although he does have an extra year of eligibility left, the dude's going to be 24 years old if he came back for this uh, this next season. So I think it was a good move by J.D., the guy, a heck of a season, a really good career as a Razorback. And uh, after he transferred here from Jacksonville, man, I'm proud of him. Best of luck to him. And ready to see how the rest of this roster uh, unfolds throughout the next couple of weeks, next couple of months going into the start of practices. I know. I think we're still getting over the shock factor of getting Anthony Black. You know, when we had Ramon on and then we – Broke the news, had the live show last week. And I think we all kind of figured that, you know, J.D. Note was going. And don't you see that it, it's weird how it's it's almost like a case-by-case situation when it comes to when people leave or transfer, the reaction from the fans. Like, with J.D. Note, man, he's paid his dues. He's done well. He's done everything he can do for his draft status. And, and for the University of Arkansas, what he did this year and really, you know, one of the biggest leaps I've seen in a long time when it goes from player from year to year, just how he really became from a six-man to a leader of the team, put the team on his back, and become an elite scorer. And now he has a chance to, you know, show his talents to NBA scouts or, or overseas or the G League, whichever. But you made the biggest point. I didn't even realize that. The age, you know, he's going to be 24 years old going into the NBA draft with 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. And if he comes back another year, it's not like baseball where you can go up to the minor, major leagues at 25, 26 and be relatively still young in the major league baseball game. 
you're you're 25 years old in the NBA. I mean, that's a late, late start, especially with, you know, the one and dones and stuff now. Oh, yeah, man. And and the thing is, the guy probably already has three master's degrees already. So <laughs> it was time for him to move on. I mean, it, it, he, he could only do so much. It's kind of like the whole Mason Jones situation two years ago. You know, he had you, – you knew what he had coming in. Arkansas was bringing in the fourth-ranked recruiting class in the country with when it came to Moses Moody, Jalen Williams, Devo Davis, uh, and, and that class. And and Mason knew he was going, coming in, and there wasn't going to be enough basketball to go around. There wasn't going to be any, any more shots. The guy was averaging 23 a game that season. If he came back, I mean, his stock was not going to get any higher than it was right then. And this is the same way with Note. I think Note – Hit really good. I mean, the guy was a 40%, uh, 40% from the field, 30% from three, hit about 80% from the line. That's about as good as you're going to get at this level. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, he was not ready. He's not ready. He needed one more year. Look, he does. He doesn't need one more year. He's proven all they can. He's played four seasons in college. It's time for him to move on. And, and this is his best shot at getting to the pros right now. And that's here's the thing. This is what people don't realize. So if he does need another year, if he come back next year, he's not going to get the touches that he got last year or this past season. No, he's not going to get the no. points. He's not going to get the All American status. He's not going to get the. He might get All SEC status, but he wouldn't get the. It's like exactly what you said with Mason Jones. You're not going to go get 20 points a game. You're not going to be All SEC with what was coming in. After he decided to declare, that's what you got to look at. It it doesn't. It's we got to realize this is a business, and now mm-hmm. with NIL, when you go to the NBA, it's a business decision. How am I going to get my money? Why do you think players sit there? Some players sandbag, and all of a sudden, when they're they're up for contract year, my God, they go from seventeen points a game. Now they're hitting 22, 23 points a game. They're balling out because that's a business year. They're playing, they're auditioning for a bigger contract. And then with Mason Jones and what he did and what J.D. Note is doing now, they knew. You don't think these kids don't know all year what was coming into this class next year. He knew he had it in his mind that, hey, I'm going to go off and I'm going to end rightfully so. Because we both know that he could be a high, maybe a, a mid-second round draft pick this, this upcoming draft. If he would have come back and played next year, he could have went from – Mid-second round to getting undrafted. You know, that's a huge cut in pay. They're getting paid at all. So, we both know he made the right decision. Even if he goes and plays overseas, he's going to get that check. He's going to make that money, even the G League. But I think he's going to, you know, be able to get drafted or be able to get evaluated, see where he's at. And I think either NBA, I don't think he's going to go to the G League. He might go G League if he gets drafted or signs an un, or, or a free agent, unrestricted free agent you know, contract like Jones did with the Rockets and then go to the Jiggly route or go overseas. But I'll tell you what, with things going now, you don't know where overseas where you want to go play. <laughs> no, not at all, man. <laughs> I mean, you look at the situation, there's mm-hmm. nowhere in the Middle East that I would want to go play, whether it's, whether it's in Russia, China, Europe, man, it, it, you're better off just staying here and playing G League ball. And I love what he did throughout his career, and I mentioned that in my article this morning. The dude scored 1,999 points in his college basketball career. Ugh. He was almost a 1,000-point scorer at two different schools. Mm-hmm. He's a 1,000-point scorer here at Arkansas, yeah. But that's incredible. A kid that, out of Covington, Georgia, had two offers, like Kennesaw State 
and uh, some North Carolina A&T school. Those were his only two offers. And he yeah. goes to Jacksonville, puts on a clinic, scores a 40-piece in, like, his freshman year. Nobody knows who he is. And he comes to Arkansas and was a six-man of the year. Then the next year he becomes 13 All-American and then uh, with AP. And then he was first-team All-SEC. The stock is – his stock is as high as it was going to get. Yeah. And, and, man, he he was incredible. I mean, you almost scored 2,000 points, 1,000 points at two different schools. He's a heck of a ball player. I mean, that in it, in and itself. And then you go to the other side of the spectrum with Jalen Williams, and I, I pointed it out a little bit of, of why I think he needs to come back and how I think it could help his draft stock oh, yeah. because he's a big. It's all about the yep. position. You've got all these guards coming in. And you, you don't think that Jalen Williams comes back one more year and say they make a Final Four run, and he's that captain. He's that that big piece, that glue guy or that holds the team together, and he starts averaging 17, 18 points a game, double-double, or even if he averages a double-double, like 11 and 10 or 13 and 10. You know, his draft stock is going to go so high because, one, the team's going to be a lot better. He's going to be yep. a year better. I do think he needs to get faster in his footwork. I mean, he did show a lot of progression throughout the year, his quickness, his rebounding, his heart. I mean, you can't say anything about the dude's heart and his willpower. I mean, that was a 99 all altogether, all, you know, throughout the year. Mm-hmm. But I think realistically, just my opinion, I think he comes back one more year and because that is going to be him. And if we get another big like the guy from uh, – Utah Valley State is that Utah Valley State or yeah that, yeah yeah okay That's but if him. you get him or another big big that kid coming in from Missouri I mean you get two of them that's mm-hmm. what could make this team from losing in the Elite Eight you've seen the last two times they've gotten beat by Duke and by Baylor they've needed bigs inside because what did I say if Jalen Williams gets in foul trouble they're in trouble. And that's exactly what happened. He got two fouls early, and you can't you can't fall behind 10, 12, 15 points to teams like Duke and Baylor. So if you get those yep. two bigs and him coming back, I think that – and I said that when they got Anthony Black and they got – if they get Jalen back and then this kid from Missouri and the kid from Utah Valley State, that could be the missing link between them bowing out at the Final Four and then winning a national championship. Yeah, and – and the, another thing is, there was that kid from Arkansas State who was all Sunbelt Conference too, uh, and he was he, he averaged insane numbers, like seventeen points and twelve rebounds. He's six foot seven, two fifty. I mean, that's a hoss right there at Arkansas State. He was a uh, he came from from somewhere in South America before committing to the Red Wolves. Uh, his name his name's slipping right now, but I, I I wrote about him a couple of times this week. But yeah, he's he's a solid guy too, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, he went to Arkansas State. We don't want him." Look, Coach Must knows basketball, man. He knows transfers, and he's he's hit on a few transfers more than he's missed. So I mean, well, and, and I, whatever I think another, he's going to bring in to go next to Jalen, I think it'll be solid. Well, and I think I mentioned this last week too. I mean, if the guy can just come in and get you boards, you're going to have so much offensive yeah. firepower. You need a Dennis Rodman. You need a guy that maybe gets you two points and. 15, 16 boards. I don't think you need a guy that, I mean, and this is where it's going to get iffy. Say you do, a guy does come in like this guy from Utah Valley State, and he's used to scoring 18 and 18 or 16 and 16, and you tell him, now I just want you to rebound. 
I mean, that could do something to the psyche of that guy. Of course, get your points off the rebound, second chance points. But we've got all this offensive firepower around you. We want you, you know, come in, you know, get on the block, you know, penetrate and pitch or, or post up, pitch out and shoot threes or help on the drive, get the second chance points. Maybe that is what you need. And so it doesn't really matter. I'm not looking at the points total when it comes to this big. Right. I want to, I'm looking at rebounds. I want another body in there like Jalen, but I want him to be a little bit a little bit taller. Not maybe a six nine, six ten, six eleven guy, but a big guy that can come in and really get you boards. And that that's gonna be huge, huge. Because if Jalen Williams, because this is another thing that we talked about his charges and stuff that carries over the next year. They might call his charge block situation totally different next year and all these charges that he's getting. So he's he's setting getting charges, now they're blocks, and now you're getting in foul trouble. You're going to need two guys to come in and really help you rotate. And the fast pace that Musselman wants to play, you get these bigs in there, they're going to get gassed out. So you need to keep them rotated, but – I'm more worried about, you know, get some guys in there that can board, get your rebounds and get those second chance points and really clear it out. And and that that way you can get the ball, spread the floor out and get your forward down there. Yeah. And and you look at it, I mean, you have Audis Tony coming back, Debo Davis coming back, Kamani Johnson coming back, Connor Vanover coming back. These guys, I mean, obviously haven't. Uh, announced anything that they're going to leave or coming back. I mean, Jackson Robinson, uh, obviously we're talking about Jalen Williams here. Uh, but there's, I mean, there's only six guys returning right now. And there's, I think, 14, 14 guys currently on the roster after JD's uh, announced their departure. Obviously, Did you the, throw KK in there, too? Uh, Kate Arbogast. Yeah, KK's gone. Yeah, I've I didn't know if you mentioned that. I'm uh, sorry. I had a brain fart there for a second. No, you're good. No. Uh, I said Jackson Robinson. Okay. <laughs> There's two Robinson boys on this team. But, uh, yeah, so you're looking at that, You have, and, and you had that walk-on who obviously had a scholarship, but I'm not counting him over yet right now. But, I mean, he obviously was on the roster. So, right now, Arkansas is at the limit. They're at 13 scholarship players uh, for next season. Uh, but, man, it, they – I don't know. Maybe we can expect a couple of more departures. I mean, I don't, I don't like to, well, you know – I Look also that heard kind of that one of the guys say, hey. that was a walk-on, he got a scholarship. I heard that they might rescind yeah. that. Man, you know, that's where it gets into that, man, you feel bad for the kid. I mean, you know, right. you're a walk-on, you get the scholarship. And I guess you kind of understand, you got to understand, and that might have been something yeah. that, you know, the straightforwardness of Eric Musselman, he's kind of like Sam Pittman. I think they were straight up awesome, you know, Hey man, we're, we're gonna we're gonna cut you some slack this year on on, on your scholarship. We're gonna give you a scholarship this year, but just know what's coming in. So I think it was kind of an expected deal, maybe not a blindside, but I did right. hear rumors that that might happen. I don't. It's not set in stone. I hadn't seen anything, but I was just thinking in my head. I was like, man, that's gotta. You know, you gotta feel bad for the kid that if it does happen, that you know, because we see them stories of walk-ons getting scholarships and how much it means to the players. So, but it is a year, and that's another thing that, you know, the casual fan, they don't realize these scholarships are a year-to-year basis. It's not a four-year right. ride. It's not. It's a year-to-year basis. I've seen the contracts. I've seen the, the the papers that these kids sign. It's a it's one year, and and we've seen it. You know, if it happens, you know, kids on scholarship or. You know, they're, they're done. They do go one and done. Well, their scholarship, that's the, another reason why they are year to year because if a kid does leave after the first year, well, you're not 
you don't sign up for four years to get a, get a four year scholarship. Right. Now I'm looking forward to seeing what the situation will be as far as some of the guys that may be on the verge of returning or, or not uh, returning like Jackson Robinson, maybe his defense is what's holding him back from, from being a solid uh, contributor for Arkansas. The guy can shoot the three. He proved that in a couple of games early on during conference play. But I think the defense is lacking. That's when Musselman was really tinkering with the lineups there. And we saw flashes of greatness. Uh, the reason why he was named a five-star uh, coming out of the state of Texas last or two classes ago when he signed with the, uh, Texas A&M. I mean, does he go on? Uh, people are always – there's always a joke about O'Connor Vanover. Is he going to see – is he going to see the playing time? Is he is he going to transfer? Where What happens to him? I mean, it, I don't think this situation with scholarships is done yet, Porter. And I think uh, I think this team could be completely different, uh, over 60% different from uh, this season's team. Well, well yeah, I, I think you're already counting on three to four starters that wasn't starting last year. I mean, it could right. possibly happen, you know, and you never know. I mean, at some point, you're going to have all of them out there that are brand new. So it just depends. Yep. But, yes, you're going to expect and we're going to know, you know, Yes, these kids, and that's the thing, we're counting on all these stars coming in and immediately being, you know, contributing. And there's going to be some that might get lost in transition. There's going to be some kids that come in that they were highly rated out of high school, you know, and I'm not going to name any names because just, you know, it's not kind of my place to call kids Mm -hmm. out. But I just know that some of these kids that are in this class are not – it's going to be a shock. And there's kids that played in high school that should have averaged 20 to 25 a game in their league. And then they're going to come up to play Division I SEC basketball, and it's going to be a huge culture shock. You know, it's just going to be that deal. So I, I think that, you know, you're going to see some of these that come in. One, I think, I guarantee one, one of the guys that are coming in this recruiting class will probably transfer out after next season I, I just that's just a forecast on me and you know if anybody wants to guess you can guess or hit me up whatever but I just, I just think there's going to be one that's guaranteed I think out of this this recruiting class that will transfer out after the next year and then he's got these guys that are that are on scholarship now that yeah you're defensive guys but I mean it's it, it's I talked to a division one coach two weeks ago and he gives his players a year and a half. You've got a year and a half to come in, get adjusted, acclimated, and in that year and a half, if you're still not showing progress, you're getting passed up. That's just the way it is. And I think that's the way it is when you get to big-time SEC ball because when you're expected to win and win at a high level, you know, that's what's happening. Because here's the, this is the biggest thing that we didn't talk about last week, Jacob. We made a big deal about this recruiting class because it was so rare. This is every year at Kentucky. This is every year at Duke. This is just another recruiting class for those Blue Bloods. We're throwing our hands up, which rightfully so, because we haven't had it. But I'm just telling you, if you want to be that elite Final Four team, Elite Eight, National Championship team, this recruiting class that you're getting this year, you have to do it every single year because you've got to account for your one-and-dones. And then you do, it's like a factory. You, you can't – have one of these recruiting classes every 10 years and expect to be a Final Four national championship contender every year. It's not going to happen. Look at college football. You see the same teams are at the top because they recruit at the highest of levels, and that's what Arkansas is doing, and that's what they're going to continue to do. 
And but that's what it's going to take if you want a national another national championship banner in Fayetteville. Yeah, and there is Ron Holland. I think is what his name is out of Duncanville, Texas. Uh, Ramon put out. I mean, shout out to Ramon. Yep, Dude's I've seen been that. in Fayetteville all weekend. Yeah, uh, but he he said that that uh. I think his last name is Harper Holland. Ron Holland out of Duncanville, Texas, is the next big thing. He chose Arkansas. Here he's Ramon said he's picking Arkansas for them to land him. So I mean, I think he's like a top five player in the country according to ESPN. That would be another huge, huge guy to get. And he he hinted at a couple other big time fish in the uh, in high school basketball of guys to watch out for. And he like he said a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, Arkansas people, kids are looking at Arkansas now and, yep. and you can expect it. Musselman's got this train going and, and it's not a bus anymore. It's a freight train. He's got this thing going and chugging along and it's going to take, if he wants to continue to have success here, he's got to continue to recruit. And that's the thing that's so exhausting about being a head coach is yeah, you can be the greatest coach uh, on the floor, but man, you've got to recruit your butt yeah. off every single day of your life. No off days, man. No, because you got to sit there and recruit the guys you got get. on roster. You you got to yeah. recruit the guys just as much now on your roster than you do got to do the new guys. I mean, because yeah. you see guys not getting the playing time that they want, and I think a lot of it's gonna. And this is where I think it's the good part of let them go because there there's some women's programs in the SEC. They lost their top players, two teams. I believe it was Florida. Florida it was definitely one of them. I can't remember the other one. I want to say Mississippi State. Mississippi State and Florida both lost their top player. And they ended up being better after their player left because if they're unhappy, now all of a sudden you've got that one person you hang with and that cancer grows and that negativity every time they enter the locker room. And I think now with the with the transfer portal, these players that, you know, they're not getting the playing time that they want or and, and they don't want to show the accountability of, I'm not producing in the games. I'm not producing at practice, but I'm. I, I, why am I not getting any playing time? We'll just go into the transfer portal. If you don't like it here, there's the portal. Because I think in the long term, the players that even were your friends, if you're going in there five days a week and you're complaining, it's going to start rubbing off on the other players. And the ones that are always happy and, you know, happy-go-lucky and trying to bring – it's going to start wearing on them where they might not start complaining – but it's going to start bothering them to where it's going to affect their play. So I think it's a good thing, this this transfer portal and bringing players in and going. I think that's another way where it's good because these kids that they're not happy, they get a chance to go somewhere else and go play. And you know what? If they got to go to an Arkansas State or a UCA or, a, or somewhere in another state or a mid-major, but if they get to go shine and be a somebody and get to get their playing time, they're still, one, getting a college education – and you're still getting to play. So I don't – it kind of doesn't matter where you go because we've seen kids out of Murray State. Look at John Morant out of Murray State get drafted to the NBA. I mean, all these guys that no matter where you go, if you're good enough and it takes you going to another school where people see how good you are, that's all that matters. Oh, yeah. And it's like Juice Hill, man. The guy went to Arkansas, went to uh, Durham Community College in Utah – and and did enough to get to Murray State, and the guy was like MVP of his conference uh, tournament. Mm-hmm. The guy came out of nowhere. Now he's going to be at LSU, and we're thinking, man, he's he's pretty talented. Speaking of LSU, they lost every single one of their uh, 
players to the transfer portal. Eleven, the I believe, draft, right? And then, huh? Was it eleven? Yeah, eleven. Eleven, 11 guys players. entered the transfer portal, and two entered the NBA draft. And LSU, Matt McMahon offered me a scholarship position, and I can play point guard at, for the Tigers next season at thirty years old. Man, I just don't know how I'm going to pay for it yet. But <laughs> hey, they uh, <laughs> that's that's he's. But the thing is, with LSU. You can put together, you can get about 10 more guys out of the transfer portal and put together a good team for next season. So all hope is not lost. I mean, that's how it is, the state of college basketball. You can either get them in the transfer portal or you can get them in recruiting. But it's like a hundred, like a, like it's an all day, every day thing, managing your roster and managing your recruits. Yeah, I was talking to, to Coach Neighbors, and he said the same thing about the women's portal. You could take everybody, you could have a portal college. And you can have a team out of the portal, and you can have a tournament team. I mean, that's just, yeah. you know, how it is every single year. And it, it, it's kind of, man, it, it's almost like I wish some of these kids had more of a guidance. Because if you think about it, if, if like, there was 80, I want to say 87, 88 names that were named in the WNBA draft, there's only 32 spots. They go 16. Right. I think there's 16 teams, two rounds. That's 32 spots, and that's if, you know, barring, you know, if trades didn't allow this team to have another pick. I don't know how, exactly how many picks are in this upcoming WNBA draft, but if you know there's 80 names in it, and if you, you're you on that fence, if you don't know you're a draft pick, I don't I, – I guess I guess they go use the, you know, WNBA draft combine to go get something overseas. I, I don't know if that's an angle, but it's almost like you know that there's 800 kids in this portal – and only, two, say, 200 get picked. That's leaving 600 kids without anywhere to go. It's like, where's the guidance that, unless right. that's just where society is, where these kids' heads are, where it doesn't matter, you can't talk to them, they're going to go. But it, it, it's just crazy that sometimes I think you should be just like, hey, look. And I think that's where some of these kids need to grow up is the point of like, hey, look, if you just stick around here, you could be a role player. But if you go into this portal, it's not certain where you're going to go. And even if you have somewhere to go, what's going to happen if nobody picks you up? And then what? You know, and so it's kind of a, you know, you want them to be able to live their lives. And I'm not telling kids what to do whatsoever. You know, they can make their own decisions. But it's just like, almost like I wish somebody would be there to help them out. Like tell them, hey, you know, just just wait here. Wait it out and see what happens. Or if it doesn't pan out here, at least you're getting a college education from the University of Arkansas or the university where you go because, you know, it's just – it is what it is. And speaking of the portal, you know, we – you know, Arkansas lost a women basketball player, Alana Eaton. She entered her name into the transfer portal. You know, I just think, you know, things are going on. And, and you know, coming off that injury, it just wasn't the same – she didn't have that same first step. She didn't have the same confidence in her shot gameplay. But man, I hate to you know to lose a player like that to you know to the portal. But then you heard the you know the news about Sasha Goforth and her stepping away. And I I, I want to send my condolences to her, her family, because I'm telling you what, she, you knew something was going on, but you didn't know what was there because you didn't want to speculate because everything with COVID going on, you didn't know. It is she had COVID if it was after effects of that, but then you come to find out that, you know, she has this condition and for her to stick it out and ball out the way she did, you know, 
I'm going to give her my athlete of the week. And, and the fact that she sat there and had the courage to say that I need to step away in the time that we live in, Jacob, right now, where mental health is such a big deal and people are actually paying attention to people's mental awareness and health, for her to have the courage to be like, I just can't do this. I need to step away to the game. Major kudos to to her and, and, and best wishes to whatever you choose to do after Arkansas. But we congratulate you on your time here at Arkansas, and we really appreciate you being a Razorback. Yeah, look, man, it's you basketball is just a short time in your life. You have to take care of yourself too and make sure that uh make sure you're taking care of your healthy and and man, mental health is a huge thing now. I mean, especially over the past couple of years, mental health is has become a huge issue in our country, in the world. And and being a healthy you, the best you possible is the most important thing. And I commend Sasha for for taking the step and putting her first. And I know neighbors, and I know I know Coach Neighbors absolutely, you know, understood the understood the issue there and was going to love her no matter what and support her no matter what. But uh, man, I'll miss her. I miss watching her ball out because I thought she was going to be a a key cog to next year's team. Yeah. Oh no, and that really just. I just, man, that got me, you know, because she was. She was that key contributor. When you've seen – it's almost like we talk about the guys and what we got coming back. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you've seen spurts of what she could do, man. She had this dribble where she would drive to the lane behind the back, and then she was just money, laid up. And But you could see there at the end, we were looking at uh, one of the games and one of the photos, and they were doing some close-ups, and they're like – you know, just something didn't look right. She looked pale. You know, they were just wondering what was going on, and she was having stomach issues. She was going off the court, right. and they were having to give her, you know, electrolytes to stay in the game. We just thought it was a stomach bug. We didn't know it was anything like this, but you've seen sparks of what was going on. And and she, it is, even even in, you know, her not playing 100% all year was still, she's going to, she was still effective. And a, a defensive dog should have been defensive, you know, that's one thing Coach Neighbors pre, you know, harped on is why is she not an all defensive player? Because she, what she was going through, she was the one that was on the top, you know, offensive player for the other team, and she held her own and should have definitely been an all defensive performer. Yeah, uh, really. Also, uh, a newbie to the world. I, I wanted to mention this at the beginning of the podcast, but our uh, former host Kyle Sutherland, man. Got him a little baby girl this week uh, talking about, you know, women and, and name is Lucy. Yes. I love that. I love Lucy that Margaret. Con- congratulations, Kyle, for uh, for your new addition for you and your wife, man. Just yes. wanted to give you a shout out on air. Big, big props. I mean, you know, he was one that was huge part of our show. I mean, we just posted out a couple of days ago. We hit 25,000 followers on Facebook. And so I want to give an on-air shout-out to our fans that have followed us from the beginning. And, you know, with what Kyle did, Kevin did, and him being an integral part of our growth and what they're doing now for high school sports, following their passion. And I'm telling you what, I don't know. That picture you've seen, I don't know if there's been a, a more – um, I, I was emotional, man. They like you, like you, Kevin and Kyle, man, are like brothers to me. And it's like if I see y'all succeed, I share that emotion. Like it's like me, like I'm right. That was his brother there, 
I was in the delivery room. You, I just get pick up those emotions and just knowing, following his career and everything he went through coming from Texas. And you heard the stories about, you know, him moving from San Antonio to now he's married, has a kid of his own and, and stepchildren and stuff. It's it, I am very proud of him and very excited to see what, you know, he continues to do for SB Live. I mean, it's, it's amazing work what he does with – the softball rankings, bas- baseball rankings, basketball. I mean, go check them out. They do a Super 7 uh, rankings every week, and they also have the basketball football rankings. Him, Nate Olson, Kyle, or Kevin Bohannon, and then um, they have one guy that comes and helps them out um, with, with the softball. Name's tripping me up right now, but man, I'm telling you what, they're building a core right now. Oh, yeah, man. They are, they are building a, a juggernaut, man. There's – there's nobody that really covers the uh, high school sports like they do, man. They they are in depth, and you know if Kyle and Kevin are going to be involved in something, they're going to give it 100 percent their best shot. Exactly. And it's showing like like Nate Olson couldn't have done a better a uh, better thing. He did a good job poaching, didn't two. he? He did. He did poach those guys. <laughs> <laughs> but if they didn't get poached, I wouldn't be back on here. So that's what. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. That's, that's the great thing. Well, hey, before we hit a break, uh, we, we do have to give another shout out to Amber Ramirez. She got to compete in the three point competition, slam dunk competition. She was a three point shooter. Started out round one, hit 16 points, and then she ran into a buzzsaw. The girl who ended up winning it, Jacob, I, I don't know how much you got to see of this. But this girl from Florida Gulf Coast, who I kind of got to give a shout out before that, she transferred from Clemson and went to Florida Gulf Coast. She was hitting 23, 25 points around, was on That's fire. That's hard to do. I mean, she fell to the end of the guy. You know, they, at the end, they'll have the guy winner versus the girl winner. And I think she ended up hitting like 16, 17 points. You know, only 16, 17 points. But I'm telling you what, those two rounds, she hit every single money ball. And it was a joy and I made a post about it, to be able to see Amber Ramirez one last time, you always get to say, man, if I can just see her one more time in a Razorback uniform. So it was really cool to see her go up there, be recognized as one, even be recognized as one of the top shooters in the nation to compete that, or top senior shooters in the nation to compete in that competition. And so Hog fans got one last glimpse of Amber. Again, best of wishes to her and, and her endeavors or where she chooses to go play next season or next year, but Big shout out! I'm glad I got to watch it and, and and see her shoot her last shot in a in a Razorback uniform. Yeah, man. I didn't get to watch. I didn't get to watch it at all. But man, I did get to see the replay of that uh, of Amber uh, hitting. Man, she she was hot. <laughs> that Florida Gulf Coast girl, man, she could. It's hard to do, man. Dude. Hitting 24, hey, 25 on a set. Listen, they had us do it. Coach Neighbors and it did it. Put out an invite and and had a, a little media day. And he set up four racks, and me and Zach Arns from Ruskin and Zach went over there, and we were messing around, and they let us do it. And I think there was like 15 balls all together. Dude, I hit four. And you had 45 seconds to shoot. And you're sitting there firing, 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 firing. And I hit four shots. And, man, I was so tired. I was like, man, holy moly. It was just – it was hard to do. I mean, and it was NBA 3, right. girls ball, you know, stuff. And, of course, me and Zach were sitting there making excuses for every – single miss we had but it was just it was fun to be able to do it and be a part of it and they had a little media bracket and I think a guy from Pig Trail Nation CJ ended up winning and he came in at the end and, and won it but I was nowhere near the top I like I said I had four out of 15. <laughs> the I can I can sometimes sit consistently from the wings 
and one corner, the right corner, I cannot hit straight on. That is the hardest shot. Yeah. Mine was the side. Like, I used to be really good from the side, but now my older age and stuff, I'm I'm top of the key, you know, wing. But if I go from the side, it's a lot. I guess my perception, I need to wear my my glasses (laughs) a little bit, (laughs) you know, so – but hey, oh, that man. will that, that's gonna do it for segment number one. We'll end on that note right there, my horrible shooting. But after the break, we're gonna break down the softball series win, baseball series win, talk about the gymnastics sweet sixteen run, couple of the gymnasts that are gonna advance to the, the national all around competition and some tennis action. And we'll be back right after the break. Show me. Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. Are you ready to tackle your to-do list without getting your hands dirty? Then it's time to call Heinemann Services in Springdale. Corey and his team specialize in A to Z home repair, in-home transformations, plumbing and dryer vent cleaning. Got a man cave? Heinemann Services can make it better. Got a she shed? They can make it better. Call today, 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Or check them out online, HeinemannServices.com. That's H-I-N-D-M-A-N Services.com. Heinemann Services. Honeydews have never been so easy. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They're located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. And welcome back to an episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. And we'll get back into our action. We'll go over Arkansas getting another series win over Mississippi State. Won first two games. Fell in a 12-inning matchup in game three. Five to three. I, I want to believe that Mississippi State scored two runs in the twelfth inning to to finally break that marathon of a game. But Arkansas won game one eight to one, won game two twelve five, and then of course they lost the third game five to three. So that moves them to twenty one and five overall, seven and two in the SEC. And I'll tell you what, an, another solid pitching performance from Connor Nolan and Hagen Smith. I mean. Again, what we keep on saying with this broken record of what we talked about coming into the season, and that was going to be the biggest question mark because we knew that, you know, the bats were solid, the defense was solid, but what was going to happen with that pitching? And what did I tell you before the season of what I talked about Connor Nolan? And I said, man, I really want him to really step up, become that Friday night guy because you're talking about a guy who deserves it. I, I put him on – it's ironic that they went to the same high school – but I put him on that same level as Grant Morgan, just that dog that he has, that fight that he come from Greenwood, the decision he had to make, you know, to give up on football, to just concentrate on baseball. And the year he had last year just – and I think a lot of it had to do with just coming off the COVID, 
COVID year and playing that first full season, really just being out of whack with things, not getting a handle on things. And I'm telling you what, whatever he's worked on in the offseason, it's really come to true. Uh, oh, I can't even think of the word I was trying to say, but it's really helped him out. And he's really come to be that Friday night guy. And I tell you what, before the season, I didn't know if we had that guy that we could truly put out on on the mound on a Friday night and get you a win, and I think I stand corrected. I think we finally got that guy that you put him out there on Friday night, he's going to get the W for you. Yeah, it took a minute, though. I mean, yeah. Connor Nolan, the ups and downs of a college baseball career. The guy came in right away, started the first game of his career in the first uh, season opener of uh, the 2019 uh, baseball season. The guy comes in, starts every Friday night, and was was fantastic for a freshman. I mean, and then he goes and he comes into 2020, and, I mean, the guy kind of fell off a little bit, but him and Wiki were kind of, you know, they were similar. They they played similar, uh, similar baseball pitching-wise, and then this – Coming into last season, they there was something that just wasn't right. I don't know what it was, Porter, but Connor just didn't have it last season. But like you said, they have the uh, Greenwood Bulldog mentality of they're going to fight and they're going to find a way to get better no matter what. And, and it's like Connor Nolan, I thought he was going down, down, down. He wouldn't really recover. He was such a promising prospect coming out of high school, whether it was a quarterback or whether it was the as a right-handed pitcher. The guys come on at the right time, and obviously, man, he's he's putting together the work and and made Friday nights great, uh, great baseball to watch. And I tell you, pitched, uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, you know, that new facility they got, and and just not not saying that that's what it took for him to to become what the pitcher he is, but you know. There could have been something that you're just – he's like, what am I missing? What do I need? What what right. What's small – because when you're pitching a baseball and just the anal- – you're talking about analytics. We talk about it in other sports. But I had the pleasure of going in and watching a softball practice and just seeing the technology that they have and working on these drop pitches and these spins, the spin rate, just the trajectory of these pitches. And if you – just how Coach Dyfel and her assistants were really working with Shanice and saying, well, if you release your hand at this angle and come around and release it at this point, this is what the ball is going to do. I think, you know, having the technology and really being able to go out there and not just do repetitions in the, in the you know, live arm and in the bullpen, you can see what your ball's doing. You can see what your hand's doing. And it could be just some little bit of a tweak, some kind of hand motion some kind of spin on the ball that you wasn't – maybe if you are going more of a, a overhand and you drop down to a 3-4 style, any little thing that could have put more movement, spin rate. We all know they talk about the spin rate when, you, when you're pitching the ball. It could have been something that just they looked at one day, like, holy crap, look what you're doing when you pitch this way. And something clicked, and the now that gives you your confidence, and that's a lot of it too, Jacob. You know, he went out there and started producing, and he was – and that's the benefit that these guys get. We don't we, we keep forgetting about, you know, we say technology, or I was saying technology. When you're practicing, you're getting to go up against some of the best college players in the nation, the best hitters in the nation. And if you strike five guys out of the Arkansas Razorbacks, you strike out five of those guys, how much do you think that does for your confidence? It's almost like you're practicing against the better competition, and you're like, man, if I can 
play good against my own guys. And these guys are, you know, we're the number one team in the nation, and I'm striking them out. They're hard to hit off of me. What we what confidence you think that puts in you going into a season? I mean, that, that's got to be a huge factor. Having the best facilities and going up against the best players that probably has a huge boost, a huge boost on going into your season. Yeah, I think his confidence really came back last year in the SEC tournament. Because if you remember during uh, whatever game that was, I think it was the semifinal game against Vanderbilt, I believe where Connor really finally got that confidence back and it, and it led into an off season of really good work. And the kid, I mean, he goes seven innings, allows four hits, one run, uh, one earned run, and then uh, had six strikeouts uh, against 25 guys uh, or 25 bat bats and only threw 104 pitches. I mean, there was a point where he got into the sixth inning. I'm thinking, this dude's only thrown like 70 pitches. This is elite. Like, this is really, really good pitching. And and then he has Zebulon Vermillion, who, who's been uh, Jekyll and Hyde throughout his career. But this, that guy's a stud. I mean, he looks like he's been there forever, obviously, just like Connor. This guy looks like he's 30 out there pitching on the mound. And <laughs> yeah. uh, he comes in and, and uh, uh, pitches one inning in the uh, eighth, uh, has one strikeout. And, uh, I mean, he's – Base got everybody out, I and mean, he looked really good uh, on on Friday night. And then Cole Ramage comes in in the ninth inning and took care of business, which he didn't take care of today. But you know, the the late inning late inning pitching uh, in Sunday's matchup against Mississippi State in Game Three, it, it wasn't suspect. I would say it was just guys were struggling to find the uh, strike zone, and and Mississippi State got a got a piece of a couple of balls there, especially in the twelfth inning. Uh, to finally break that tie, and and things just weren't going great, and Arkansas just was struggling to put guys out there to to find the strike zone. That's all I can. That's all I can put to it. They used Jackson Wiggins for five innings, and then uh, Evan Taylor came in in relief. I think he was the final pitcher. Uh, no, not no, not Evan Taylor. I'm sorry, Evan Gray was the final pitcher of the day. He only pitched third inning uh, before. Uh, getting the uh, getting the final guy out. Cole Ramage kind of struggled. Brady Tiger started well. Uh, he pitched three and two quarters innings on uh, Sunday. He pitched well Friday, Saturday night, and Sunday. But he he just I mean there was something missing there uh, in the final inning and a half that he pitched Porter. But I mean Arkansas they come away uh, two and one. They've not lost a a. Uh, SEC series since 2019, which is I find really impressive. They're approaching uh, tying the Vanderbilt and Ole Miss record, I believe, for uh, consecutive series wins in SEC play. So, I mean, that, that's really cool too. Well, and and, and I, looking at the box score and stuff, I tell you what, they're two through five, two through six hitters. They they better start turning it around. Yeah. I mean, when you're going zero for three, one for four, one for three, one for five. 0 for 3. And then in game 2, you're 0 for 4, 0 for 4, 1 for 4, 0 for 3. Mm-hmm. And then in the loss, you're 0 for 6, 1 for 6, 1 for 5, 0 for 5. I, I mean, that's your that's your solid, that's your 2, 3, 4 hitters. 2, three, two through 5 hitters. And you're going to start getting in the meat and potatoes of this this season, and this series. And, I'm t- and, and so I, I know, like I said, that, yes, it's another win. But it's not a complaint. I'm not complaining. It's a critique. 
It's like if they're going to continue winning, this is what they're going to do. But they, I mean, because I'm telling you what, this is going to come back on the later part of the season when, when they're, they're they're relying on their pitching. We've seen what happened last year. You rely on Kevin Copps. You rely on his pitching to get you through the season, and then you run up on a team like NC State who counteracts what you were doing through the little the little gotcha in the game one and lets you just run off with it thinking that you had the series one, and then all of a sudden they're pitching – fooled you they got your bats and then it was too late because their bats got hot so it's just something that i mean it's just something to caution because this ain't just a one-time deal i've noticed that in other series that this spot in the lineup has struggled and i don't know how you fix that or what's going on but it's something it's kind of a caution right now not not a red flag but it, it it's a caution flag right now and if this keeps on kind of happening in these SEC series it, it's going to start to be a, a major concern yeah robert moore man i, I don't know what's kind of gotten into him i mean maybe it was just the mississippi state weekend but if i recall he kind of struggled against missouri last week too they go to florida this weekend and i don't know i haven't looked in let me see what What's Florida's baseball record right now? Let me look it up real quick. But they're they're usually pretty solid. Let's see. Four and eight, I think. No, hold on. I got it right here. They are they're three and six in conference. They're eighteen and ten. Salty. They're eighteen and ten overall, three and six in conference. So they're okay. they're struggling a bit, but yeah. but but it's Florida. Exactly. And this is a team that Dave Van Horn respects. He respects. Uh, is it O'Sullivan? Oh, yeah. Is that his name? O'Sullivan, the coach. Yes, Kevin yeah. O'Sullivan. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, that was his yeah. major video that went viral. He was talking about the respect between him and O'Sullivan, and they have a mutual respect. So if you have that mutual respect, you know you're coming into this series, you know, wanting to win it, and you're going up against another team that respects you just as much. So, but again. Arkansas hasn't lost a series in how long? 13 straight now they've won. and, and yep. But they do have a tune-up. Florida plays Florida A&M on Tuesday before the series, and this mm-hmm. is going to be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. So this is another thing where we Short were talking week. about when, you, when you're not playing on your, your different days, how does that affect your psyche with the rotation and all that? So – it's something to look right. out for, for especially with Florida playing on Tuesday, then turn around playing Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So that could turn around and benefit Arkansas. But then again, it can also affect just the, the psyche of Arkansas, you know, playing on the road. And, and they play today. You know, you play a 12-inning battle, you're probably going to get right back to work on Monday, Tuesday, and then you got to – I don't know if uh, Arkansas has a midweek game. They don't really do midweek games during SEC play, do they? It's, do they kind of shy they, away from they, that? They they kind of do, but they kind of don't. It, it's like it's sprinkled in. Really, they had UCA this week, but I don't think they play another one. They do. They got one. They play UCA Tuesday. I said, yeah, and yeah, they, yeah. They so, play UCA Tuesday, and then they play UAPB uh, next week for a two game series, and they got Arkansas State. So they they are playing more than they have the past couple of seasons midweek wise, uh, but. Yep. Oh wow! Yeah, next they, week, next week, Jacob. They, they, they play Tuesday, the Wednesday. They yeah. play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They play UAPB twice. Then they got to play LSU. 
of all teams. Yeah, they're doing a lot of – I thought they shied away from these midweek series, but I guess now maybe it was a COVID deal. You know, now they're really vamping up what they did. But now these next time, they're playing Tuesday, Wednesday against Arkansas State, and then they go to College Station the 22nd, 23rd, 24th. So we're really going to see what this team – we're talking about the hitting and stuff. The way they've been playing these midweek series and stuff, we're, we're, let's see right. how this, this turns out in, in the end because – you, not so much the UCA because it's a one-game deal, and then you play. But I was thinking it was kind of funny until I looked down. That was just a small thought. Like, you've seen Florida had a midweek series before and how much they respected each other. It's almost like, did hey, did Dave Van Horn schedule a midweek because he knew Florida had one? Just that respect issue. Right. Then I look at next week, and I was like, wow, two, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I mean, that's five days in a row. Man. And you talk, and then you got to turn around Saturday. You off Sunday, Monday, and then you play Tuesday, Wednesday against Arkansas State. Then you travel to College Station Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I'm telling you what, the next couple of weeks, the the whole month of, I mean, end of May. I mean, holy moly! Just looking at this schedule, this is this is crazy. Looking at all the way to the end of the season, where they. I'm trying to think. May 3rd, they play on Tuesday, May 3rd, and I think that's the last midweek game they have. It is. But yep. you're you're playing Missouri State on May 3rd, and then you got Auburn, Vandy, Alabama to close out the, the regular season. So I tell you what, this depth of this team's gonna show the hitting. If they're in slumps, they're gonna have plenty of game reps to get ready for the rest of the year because yep. <laughs> and and Florida has been struggling here lately. I think they've lost five SEC games in a row. They were swept by Georgia this past weekend too. So, I mean, it wasn't really even close. They lost seven to six uh, on the first game, six to one in a game two, and they lost fourteen to eight today, or you know, yesterday. I'm sorry, which was Saturday. So they were swept by Georgia, which Georgia is so so in baseball, but. It's notable that they've just haven't really really been competitive. I mean, they lost sixteen to four to LSU, eleven to two in game three against LSU. I mean, they they've been struggling, man, uh, hitting the ball pitching wise. So it's going to be something to see as Arkansas get their hitting back on track against Florida coming up, and especially with UCA uh, coming on Tuesday. Yeah. And then, like I said, you know, this is this going to be the meat and potatoes of the series. You're going to oh, start yeah. playing your tougher opponents. Florida's down, but then you have your LSU, which that's going to be a major one. You know, that's always that series that you always pencil in. You know, every year they're looking forward to that. And they, there's no Tennessee this year. So, and then you play Ole Miss, you know, Friday, Saturday, you know, the last weekend of April 1st, you know, day of May. So, mm-hmm. it's really – you know, and then you end, you know, with Vanderbilt, which Vanderbilt's kind of down too. So I think what's going to, what the deal is, is we're really going to see maybe the SEC isn't as stacked as it has been. It's not going to be as loaded. I think it's going to be a top heavy because you look at Mississippi State, they were really, really, you know, hindered by the fact that Landon Sims went down. You know, I think that was yeah. one of the biggest injuries of the offseason or start of the season. So I, I think. Maybe the talent, you know, not being as good as they were last year, but yet the schedule looks very favorable coming in, you know, the last part of the season with Florida being down. It, we'll see where LSU is, but that's always a battle, a war. And then you go to Texas A&M and then Ole Miss, Auburn, Vandy, and then Alabama. So it, it's going to be 
an interesting second half of the season, and we'll see where this team goes. But you know what? We can talk and complain about the batting and all this. As long as they keep winning series, that's all that matters. That's right. And and speaking of winning, we go to the Arkansas softball team. Scared us a little bit with a 2-0 loss, game one against Ole Miss, a team that we knew they could, you know, win these series against. And it's just they couldn't – again, we're talking about hitting. They couldn't get the bats going in that game one, but then bounced back, won 6-3, and then eight, and I mean, blew the doors open. And I'll tell you what, Danielle Gibson, who was kind of absent in the first two games, come back with another four RBI day, three for four, hit another moonshot. It seems like every SEC campus she goes to, she's leaving a ball at another part of the stadium, hit one in the street, you know, at Ole Miss. Very proud of the players. Um, and I'll tell you what, for, for Mary Half this year, you know, she's been on and off. You know, those are pitch, you know, her perfect game, gets roughed up a little bit the last series going out, and then she it's almost like she hears us, Jacob. She hears me, you know, hears us talking about, hey, you know, what's what's up with Mary? You know, she's kind of off a little bit because she pitched two games in back-to-back games, 18 strikeouts, only gave up three runs in those two games. And another thing that I had mentioned to Coach Dyfel when we had the midweek press conference is they've only lost back-to-back games in the regular season one time in the last two years. That's that's not counting the the uh, series, you know, the super regional. But that was against Missouri. They lost the series against Alabama, but they won the mid game. They won game two. But Missouri was the only. That's the last time they've lost back to back games in two years. So for this team, you lose game one and you bounce back at Ole Miss. And we cannot forget that Ole Miss had won their last ten SEC series at home. They've not lost 10 games in a row. They were 13-0 and at home this year, and they haven't lost a series in 10 tries, and Arkansas snapped that streak. And a big shout-out to Arkansas softball Twitter. They're getting into the game. You know, they, they uh, Ole Miss let out a tweet that said something like, hey, come again, or something like that, and Arkansas softball put out a – tweet that said, hey, thanks for having us. You know, it was one of them. Yeah, they were great hosts. It was, it was yeah, a great host. But, yeah, it was it was really good <laughs> to see them. And I, I want to give another shout-out. Of course, we said Daniel Gibson, but Lenny Malkin, again, just continues to come up in big spots. You know, Hannah McHugh and Hannah Gamble, the hammer coming through, Mary Half, just the pitching performance. And, Jacob, like I said, we are talking about the baseball and getting this pitching lined out. If you get Mary, Shanice, and, and Callie, Jenna going, you get all four of those where they're on off cylinders and they can pitch because you know they're going to hit. They're going to be a tough team come postseason. You're not kidding, man. They are there. I mean, they hit, I mean, they've got four, three girls hitting 400. They've got two girls, three girls, maybe four girls hitting over, over 300. I mean, man, they're, they're just, they're really good. Porter and I mean they've got you. You look down the schedule and it and I mean obviously softball is just it is just as stacked as the uh, is just as stacked in softball as it is baseball or in any sport really because I mean these girls you got you got Lenny Malk you got KB you've got Hannah like you said you can go up and down this list of the girls that are on this team that are just super super talented I mean they're being coached by uh, by Doppel who's just who's done an incredible job here and I'm just blown away. But I mean, the fact that they've not lost back-to-back games 
in two seasons. That is coaching. That is resilience. That is that is saying, hey, put, put yesterday behind us. We're going to go out there and kick some butt. I mean, they've got Central Arkansas uh, this Tuesday in Conway, and then they go uh, – they're back at home on uh, for a weekend series against number 17 Auburn. So that's going to be a big one too. Yeah, because Auburn at the time w- is, was leading the conference. So, I mean, that's going to be a huge showdown. And I think they got Kentucky yeah. coming up soon. Um, I can't remember what that – gonna be like let me see look at the schedule yeah. real quick i know that and Jacob, if you remember the week after next, the week yeah. after next okay um if you remember mm-hmm. that um conway game last year drew a huge oh, crowd i remember yeah. that picture yeah, i remember that some i can't remember if i if i knew who it was i'd have to ask kyle who posted that picture i'd give him credit for it but man you talking about a beautiful scene I mean, it, just the whole outfield was just filled, in, and it's amazing. And UCA is good. UCA has turned into yeah, a are. decent program, and I think they beat LSU early in the season. They did. And there's a um, a girl from Ozark actually plays at Lexi McClellan, a, a fellow hillbilly uh, alumni of mine, and um, plays for UCA. And so it was really cool to see her go down there and, and beat LSU earlier in the season, but – they gave Arkansas all they could handle last year. I think it was a three-two game, or it was it was a close game last season. So it was. Um, yeah. So they get to go down there I again and, and play Central Arkansas. Then they have Auburn, and like I said, uh, Auburn was leading the SEC West standing. So it's going to be a big showdown. And of course, it really does help out that it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Bogle. So you know, being mid-April or early April, there's going to be a lot of kids out there in the berm then you get to play southeast and missouri state on a tuesday and that's a cool thing too they play those double headers they'll play a four and a six yeah. double header and then they got another big matchup against 12th ranked kentucky so look at the next three series jacob number 17 auburn number 12 kentucky number seven florida they play central arkansas again at bogle on the 26th then they got south carolina and texas a and round up the season so just like we said with the baseball team, we're going to really find out what, what this softball team's made of. And if their bats are cold or they're pitching, you're going up against Auburn, Kentucky, and Florida. Florida's a huge program as well when it comes to the softball world. I mean, this team could be at the top or they could be right there, you know, in the middle of the pack looking up. Yeah, it's basically this, this team is going to be tested over the next month and a half of the season. It will either it will either tear them down or really get them ready for the NCAA tournament. And I think more than likely these girls are going to be ready because they. I mean, like like you said, they've got Auburn at home, they've got Kentucky at home, they go on the road at Florida, and then they come back and and go to South or play South Carolina at home. So they three of their next four are at home, and then they have to close with Texas A and M on the road. But three of their next four are at home, and that sets Arkansas up. To, to probably do, if they do enough and they win their series against these uh, three of the next four, they'll probably be hosting a regional site. Yeah, and but it's very important, too. We've seen, you know, you're going to have to get top eight to host a super. You know, yeah. they're going to have to really, you know, and them playing Auburn, Kentucky, and how they do, and, you know, if they say they lose two of those series, they lose to Kentucky and mm-hmm. Florida, you know, that puts a big target on how you finish with South Carolina, Texas a and and what you do in the SEC tournament, which the SEC tournament this year is in Gainesville. 
So it's in, in, in swampland. It's, it's not in – I think it was Orange Beach, Alabama last year. So these next yeah. next couple of series is really when you're looking at you're wanting to host a regional and where you're at as a program, you're wanting to, you know, host a super regional. These where you place in these next couple of series is gonna is gonna be huge. But but Jacob, man, I tell you what, again, man, it, it time's flying. I love it. I love, you know, how fast these things are going by. But we really want to end the podcast on, on a sweet note. Gymnastics team advanced to the Sweet 16 for the back-to-back years, and then they ended up having to go up against number one Oklahoma, number eight Minnesota, and number nine Cal to put an end to the season. They ended up getting and finishing with a one nine seven point three on the final score, and the Hogs bounced back from a fall and opening routine of the night and opted to put just five vaulters due to an injury in the lineup, but still posted a one ninety six point six seven five in the meet which ties the program record for fifth-best regional score. Arkansas also set a new regional record with 49.4 on the floor, which bests the previous one that the team added just two days ago at 49.375. While their run as a team is complete, the gym backs now wait for official results, and they do have two individual qualifiers for Nationals and Kennedy Hambrick and Sarah Schaefer. So, we have to really congratulate them on really getting to continue and, and, and representing Arkansas for one last time. But graduate student Maggie O'Hara put a great ending to her meet with a 9.9 and also tied for second-best score of the day. So Arkansas finished the season with a 10-18 and 18 record, which is the best record Coach Jordan Weaver's tenures over the past three seasons. And the Jim Backs will take new program beam and vault records into 2023, as well as program regional highs on bar and floor. The season marks the fifth top 16 finish in the country for Arkansas in eight years, and the gym back saw a total of 24,830 fans in five home meets, including that big 10,000 they had at Bud Walton Arena. So, again, what we were talking about at the beginning of the season, the gymnastics, yes, they posed a 10-18 and 18 record, but in the grand scheme of gymnastics, it's your individual scores and how they have, each person does on their individual meet because you see 10 and 18 record, but you're going to probably end up having two All-Americans again on your squad. That's, that's crazy, man. I mean, I, I, I don't really – I don't really follow the gymnastics. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to do better for next season. I, same with me, man. I was talking that's, to Emily, and 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 I love following the sports, and that's one of the hardest ones because it's so technical. Right. You really, got to look. It's one of the few that's judged sports that are judged. You know, you have judges. So I talked to Emily, the SID there at Arkansas, who also does the volleyball, and I just want to congrat. You know, say my thanks to every one of the SIDs because. You know, women's basketball lost their SID in Mario, and that's the one dude that, Jacob, it really just – he gave us our kind of start. He gave us yeah, our foot in the door with him and Coach Neighbors. So, him moving on to Minneapolis, I mean, dude, is that's one of the coolest dudes you ever meet. I'm so thankful for what he did for us, the Hong Talk, getting us the access, really getting our foot in the door with getting to cover the programs that we do at Arkansas. And he will be – Missed. I mean, that's one of the things when I heard that, you know, he told me a few weeks ago, he's like, hey, April 1st is going to be my last day. And it, it was funny. Me <laughs> and Paul Fools. Boyd, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but me and Paul Boyd are really, we've grown really close. I mean, he's a big mentor of mine. And 
I told Paul, you know, hey, Mario's leaving. He's like, yeah, I was just waiting on you to crack. <laughs> you know, it's like we both knew at the same time, but we were waiting on to see who would say it first. So it was – but Mario going to be missed, man. I, I know you might not listen to the podcast, but we really do uh, appreciate everything you've done for us, man. Absolutely. Uh, I I don't know if I can add anything to that border that – I mean, Mario was, was great. He's always He was always approachable too. Like he – if I had an email or I had a question or whatever, dude would have it back to you in like maybe five minutes or less. Dude was incredible. I'll miss him. That's uh, a shocker. <laughs> Sorry to break. I, didn't, I thought you'd already knew or seen the seen the social <laughs> media, no man. So I apologize, I but no man, you're good. That, that will do it for another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast for Jacob Davis. I am Porter Hayes, and again, we are always presented by Bet Online. So check them out for all your betting needs. Go Hogs!